0: So today's episode, I was going to record it and talk about tips for being outside. I recently saw an article that talked about how most of the dating apps out there are starting to lose some income um, because there are, um, I guess there are less people who are investing in dating apps. Y'all already know what my favorite one is. But um, for the most part, even the founder of Bundle, Bundle, (laughs) Bumble, Bumble, has stepped down as whatever her role was, um, CEO, president, I don't remember. Um, But she stepped down from a leadership position. And so I was reading that article and the article is basically saying that a lot of people are opting to meet people in real life. And I was like, we can definitely talk about that because I do think that that is true. I definitely know that people still find their people through dating apps, but there are many folks, especially folks who have been on apps for a long time, on and off for years that, you know, there's this love hate push pull relationship with apps and deleting them and swearing, swearing them off and then returning a little bit down the road when they are still really wanting companionship and partnership. But meeting people out outside in real life is amazing because you get to see the vibes immediately. Um, You get to have that preliminary conversation um, that can transition into a date or save you some time if you don't want it to transition into a date. And um, through life, through circumstance, through COVID, through um, the, the convenience of being on apps, many of us have not learned or unlearned how to do that. And um, social anxiety and all that can get in the way. So today's episode was supposed to be talking about Tips for going outside. But then when I sat down to record it, I was like, I don't want to talk about that. (laughs) I do not want to talk about that right now. Um, It did not feel that it was pertinent um, right now. If that is something that you would like for me to talk about, make sure that you let me know, um, that you email me, DM me, comment on YouTube if you listen to the podcast on YouTube, so that I know that this is a topic that y'all will actually like to learn about. And then I can come back to this at a later date. But for now, Many of you know that I was a licensed therapist for over 12 years before transitioning into um, full-time coaching here at Black Girls Heal. And my specialty was helping women heal from love addiction, love avoidance, and the childhood trauma and adult relational trauma that contributes to this stuff. And I loved it. I love my practice, but then I transitioned into BGH to coach here full time so that I could help more women and give y'all more tools that would help you heal from this stuff quicker, faster, or at least be a supplement to those of you who are with therapists that you love and enjoy, but you need a boost, right? You need a supplement. And so for today's episode, I want to talk about four therapeutic tasks that I would have for love avoidance if they were in my therapy office four goals that I would shoot for them to achieve during my time, our time together. Um, of course, many of my, ther- many of my therapists, many of my clients ended up being long-term clients that I saw for years. Um, but for those who were there for a specific task to work through being more uh, available today's episode i'm going to talk about four therapeutic tasks that i would give them and these are things that you can look at to see if this is what you're doing with your therapist if you would like to start doing it with them and i hope that you find it helpful thanks for listening to this week's podcast before we get started let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors Okay, so let's jump on in. So a quick side, for those who have messaged me and said, I really want to find a therapist, do you have any recommendations? At the time that I'm recording this, I do not have a specific recommendation referral network in different cities. I plan to have that, especially as we, as I expand with our certification process for coaches and for therapists here for treating love addiction, and love avoidance, and then also um, building our therapeutic and healer mastermind and network. So right now, it is not there. However, on our website, there is a free article that talks about how to find a therapist. And in that article, I break down my favorite therapy models for treatment for love addiction and love avoidance or at least the symptoms of it. Um the ones that I suggest, things for you to keep in mind when finding a therapist, things to look out for, how do you know when it's time for you to move away? How do you know when it's time when you're starting to feel uncomfortable and that this is not a good fit? And I'll list some directories for for therapists there. Um of course as once I start to build this network of referrals and everything, uh that page page I'm referring to now will have links to that referral network uh, so that um, anyone who listens to this episode in the future can still be connected to the most updated info, especially if I have some people in your city or in your country that I would recommend wholeheartedly for you to have as your licensed therapist. Um, But for now, you can go to the website. Again, go to Um, the menu that says free resources there is a link that says how to find a therapist on our free resources page and um, look for it there and if you can't find it then we have a search bar we have a search bar for you to find anything that I talk about here on the podcast you can find the um, page for it uh, there via the search bar as well so there is that but, like I said, I practiced as a therapist for over 12 years. Absolutely loved it. If there were more hours in the day, I would probably still be doing therapy in addition to coaching. Or actually, that's not true because I love working with, I still do coaching, private coaching for folks to work through love addiction and love avoidance. And I love writing books, and I love writing courses, and I love making tools. Um, and having things available for people. So I'll probably fill my time with more things that people could take with them to go and heal and use in their everyday life because I love giving practical, tangible resources to people that they can use and come back to over time. So I will probably still just be doing more of that. However, if I was still seeing women in a clinical sense, And they were coming to me for love avoidance. Here are the four things that I would look at for us to work through. The first thing that I would do with my client, with you as your therapist, is I would determine what are the reasons that you are aversive to being close to others. So, love avoidance—the way that we talk about it here at Black Girls Heal—I know that um, there are many other healers and therapists and folks with platforms that talk about love avoidance and um, as far as attachment styles and avoidant attachment styles. Um, here, I talk about love avoidance as a persistent, ups, um, persistent putting up of walls, persistent and systematic putting up of walls to keep people out, to keep keep, keep to keep you from being emotionally overwhelmed by others. So you have found that intimacy and closeness is emotionally, mentally, maybe even spiritually overwhelming. And so no matter who is around, you will find a way to do that, whether or not it is by you spreading yourself so thin that other people don't actually get to know you and get to see you. Um, But that can present as very functional and because maybe you present as very charming and popular and well-liked and well-loved, but um, you have so many friends and so many obligations that no one actually gets to go deep. Maybe this looks like you becoming very critical and finding reasons to Push people away um, by finding things that are false with them, or finding things that are annoying with them. And a lot of times, you can invent these things, but you don't realize that you are inventing them, and they seem very rational and very logical. And if you were to tell it to anybody else, especially your girls that hype you up, they may not be able to see it. And if anything, they may reinforce that yes, girl, um, you don't have to deal with that, or yeah, that is annoying. I want to talk to her either. I want to talk to him either without realizing that this is something that systematically you do. Once you start to get close to people, you find a reason to push them away um, or finding relationships that at their core are truly emotionally overwhelming and draining and broken from the start. And so you get to have your own self-fulfilling prophecy by engaging in relationships and people who are not on your level, um, who are do not really have as much Emotional maturity or intelligence to give and to show up into the relationship until it eventually implodes. And you get to feel justified. And this is why I don't do relationships. And this is why I don't do people. And you get to have more stories to tell people to uh, make you feel secure. And that is everybody else. It ain't me. But you are the common denominator in finding these relationships that continue to implode. And so. Whatever it is, whatever the function, there are multiple other ways that this can present, but whatever is the reason that you will systematically find relationships or create relationships or create distance with people to stop them from getting in, getting close to you, being able to see you, we got to find the aversion of where that comes from, where did that start. And I'm going to go ahead and give you the cheat code, which if you are already connected to lots of healing podcasts and platforms and in therapy, this is not going to be new information for you. Or maybe it is because sometimes sometimes those sources don't know what they're talking about, if I'm just going to be honest and real. um, But this usually starts with being very emotionally overwhelmed as a child. So whether or not it is emotional enmeshment and incest, which can look like you being put in charge emotionally of the the feelings and the outcomes of parents, of caregivers, of siblings, of cousins, um, that you are just shown a lot, you're told a lot, you're in charge of mediating things, you're in charge of making people feel better. Um, maybe you watched a lot of fighting. Maybe you watched a lot of addiction. Maybe you watched a lot of chaos. And so you just learn in those intimate relationships that it is overwhelming. Emotional incest specifically is when you have a parent or caregiver that confies a lot of their emotional turmoil and issues and chaos um, into you. So venting to you about their, about your daddy um, and how how bad he is or that he cheated again or how he stresses her out um asking you to take care of her, whether that is overtly taking care of her or um, um, venting to you about these really grown up things that is very stressful to you not only mentally but physically in your body. what happens as a child when you are emotionally overwhelmed and stressed is that your body literally feels as if it is trapped, and when I say literally, I don't mean literally like People say literally, and it's not literally. I mean that your body, your nervous system shoots off all of the signals as if you were trapped in a cave. And so all the danger, all of the um, intensity, all the anxiety, all that stuff is felt in your body as a little child, as a five, six, seven-year-old child or younger or even older, and your body shuts down and your body finds a way to cope. And um, it can be through any of the responses, fight, flight or freeze, Um, avoidant tendencies can be any of those things or all of those things, depending on what you're doing. Um, And so your body is stuck in that mode and it usually learns how to cope because our bodies, our minds, our spirits are resilient. So if that is a state that you were born into or that due to tragedy or chaos or life circumstances, you have learned how to you've had to adapt. Your body will adapt. And some people adapt very functionally, outwardly functionally, and um, high-functioning presenting. So overachievers, people who are successful, people who always have their shit together. And sometimes it does not... um, show up as high functioning. Um, So maybe a lot of chaotic relationships, maybe a lot of rebellion, maybe a lot of anger, maybe a lot of aggression, um, maybe a lot of addictive behaviors and stuff. But um, they're all the same side of the same coin, or they're all the different sides of the same coin, which is why many of us have our own secret little quirks and things that we do on the side. In addition, if we are high functioning, um, that we have our own little shameful things or thing, at least things that we feel shameful about that we go through to cope with all the stress in our body. So the first thing I would do as a therapist is to help you find the root sources of this, name these sources for you, validate that these are things that were hard and um, dysfunctional for you to work through, um, giving you permission to feel all those feelings. What i found... times out of 10, I should just say 10 times out of 10, is that there's always something that my clients, um, even again, if they are veterans in this healing space, that there's usually the reason why they are stuck is that there is something that they cannot see that I can see, Um, but there's something that they cannot see in their past that they just think is normal, that they have justified, that they have just kind of accepted, that they feel like they have adequately learned how to work around, but none of those things are true. And so as us by diving deep into those, those things that are gap areas and not on their awareness and also kind of helping them build some understanding around it, it starts to open some doors for them and it starts to open some um, self-forgiveness for themselves, um, down the road, forgiveness for other people. Some of you have already heard my stance on forgiveness. I, um, but I'll just say here for brevity, I believe that forgiveness absolutely is healthy for you and your nervous system and your ability to move on and your ability to manifest what it is that you need. And with that said, I strongly support you taking the journey that you need to take when it comes to forgiveness and not feeling this pressure or feeling um, as if there is something wrong with you. Um, If there are some things that are difficult slash impossible slash you are unwilling to forgive now or ever. Um, I believe that we all get to decide what we need and what we feel. Um, And in case you needed that permission, I hope whoever that was for that you have that. But yeah, I would start with the trauma work and that's the thing, you know, if you listen to the podcast, especially the last year or two, you know that part of where I am currently in my own healing journey is finding finding resources around um, abundance, mindset, manifestation, all those things has really added to all the already existing beliefs that I had about faith, about self-love and everything. It's been really helpful to me. And what I've seen some Teachers And I'm thinking specifically about one teacher, but what I've seen from some teachers is that they will say, well, we don't, you know, you don't need to go and look back into your past. Just make a decision to believe what it is that you feel. Um, and there are a lot of mindset and manifestation teachers that, um, and and self-love teachers that talk about that, just making a decision. But the reason why you can't make these decisions is because trauma is a real thing. Sorry, 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 not sorry to tell you. Um, and these are the real roadblocks. So when things like shadow workbooks go viral on TikTok and, um, you know, there's a next new thing that is really telling you to like, look at your past and uncover this stuff. It is because no matter how much you try to tell yourself these affirmations and thoughts and everything, sometimes you need to know the right things to tell yourself to hit at what the negative core belief is. So let's say, that I had a negative core belief that just that was like I am unwanted, that no one wants me, that I am always going to be alone. So I start to say affirmations around the fact that I am wanted, I am wanted, I am wanted, I am wanted, and maybe there is some movement, but the feelings are still there. Well, maybe if I actually did some deeper work with my therapist or your healing and trauma coach, like someone like me, um, or your love addiction and love avoidance coach, which is someone like me you are able to find out that it's not that you were necessarily that you feel unwanted, but that the reason that you feel unwanted is maybe is that you were not ever seen. And so you were treated as being in a way or a burden or um, that people really did not want you to exist in their space. And so that's the actual negative core belief. And so all that's why all these affirmations around feeling wanted and deserving aren't really hitting like they're supposed to hit because there's like a big old boulder that's in the way of it. So are the things that people are telling you to do as far as affirmations and self-belief and journaling and all that stuff, is that wrong? Absolutely not. All those things are absolutely um, uh, effective tools and worthwhile tools and real tools that Work, but if there is something that is blocking you, it doesn't matter how much you throw at it, you're not going to be able to make progress. So I think that's why a lot of my students who have had therapists that they have loved and maybe may even still be in therapy when they join my recovery school coaching program, when they come to the group calls and we're talking about what's going on and we talk about what where they're stuck and I'm able to work through with them. What is it that is stuck and what's been going on with you? We reach oh, this is the blockage. This is where it started, right? We get these aha moments. And then we're actually able to talk about a one, two, three process on moving forward outside of just feeling the feelings. Right. And, um, I think that's really helpful. Um, but in therapy, therapy is so helpful to when, when, or if you uncover these things, um, I'll say when, um, and speaking in that you have an amazing therapist or that you're going to get connected to an amazing therapist if you're not already. Um, Or if you're one of my students and you have this uh, revelation and you bring this to therapy, therapy is an incredible place to completely dismantle this stuff as well and to create new stories and narratives and to grieve. You know, there's such a big process, an important process that avoidance need to learn how to do, do, which is grieving the love that you never got before. It is painful. Love avoidance, one of the ways that we have learned how to cope is to compartmentalize our feelings. So it is not abnormal for me to meet women who are numb and um, that they just kind of feel neutral a lot of times or that they feel a lot of anger. Um, maybe some sadness, but really if I ask them, what do they feel in their body? They don't know. If I ask them, what are they are thinking? What are they feeling? They tell me what they're thinking because they can't tell me what they're feeling. Right. And so once we start to unlock these things, um, you start to feel emotions that you had to push away and you had to bottle up because of all the reasons that I talked about earlier in, in this episode, a six-year-old who's being emotionally flooded by chaos, by fighting, by a parent that may not, like let's say there's not even fighting or anger or yelling, but they have a father, a mother, a grandmother who completely emotionally isolates them and will stop talking to them and will stonewall them and will give them looks of disgust whenever they fall below their own acceptance level, right? That is just as traumatic as someone calling you outside of your name when you're a little child and your source of love is your parent or caregiver. That withdrawal of warmth of care from your secure, supposedly secure attachment figure um, from your source of life, of hope, of what the person or people who are supposed to be telling you that you are important and that you're worthy of being in this world and they completely withdraw and they treat you as if you're less than nothing or that they are so disappointed in you that they almost regret that you're there, whether or not they say that out loud or they're saying that in your actions, in their actions, that child feels that. And they dread that. And that stays with them, which is why it's so important for those of us who are parents that repair. If you lose your temper, if you say something you don't mean, if you um, are not as present as you would like to be, and through time, space, learning how to take care of yourself, maybe you were depressed, maybe you were anxious, but now you're more cognizant. you're, You're more here. You're not as flooded yourself. It is so important. For you to go to your child, no matter how much time has passed, 30 seconds, three minutes, three years, for you to go to your child and say, hey, I'm so sorry for this thing that I said and that I did. I love you so much. And mommy was feeling this or daddy was feeling this. And I did not want to make you feel sad or make you feel angry. That repair is vital because your children will carry those thoughts and those emotions with them forever which is why many of us are 20, 30, 40, 50 years old. And when we start talking to our therapist or our coach or whoever we're talking about, we will get just as emotional about things that happened to us when we were three as if it just happened five seconds ago, right? Because that pain stays in our body. And so as avoidance, we learn how to buckle all that stuff up and put it away and stop us from feeling it. So when we actually start to uncover this stuff, all these emotions start to come back and it feels scary. And there's a reason like there is a tendency and a temptation to not want to do the work because, you know, you, you can't you don't really have the time or the space or the want to deal with it. But all that shit is guiding your life right now. Like literally all the things that you're running from have created your perspectives. They've created your patterns. They've created your coping mechanisms, your defense mechanisms. Um, They have created the core beliefs, which is what is motivating you or demotivating you currently today. So the longer you go not addressing these issues, you're not escaping anything because these issues are currently affecting you now, which is why whenever I used to have people who would tell me, um, this is not the right time for us to work together because they have a lot of stuff going on, you know, whether or not it's school or work or family stuff. I'm like, girl, you take yourself everywhere you are. So if anything, the fact that things are chaotic is even more reason for us to work together now because whatever that chaos is, is either two things are happening. Either it's real chaos and you need more access to yourself right now to feel healed and to feel connected to yourself and to feel grounded so that you can deal with that chaos, or because things are so dysregulated inside of you, but you have built this um, functional mask to kind of work through the chaos, it is creating a lot of chaotic things in your life right now. So either way, you're the source, hun. You're the source, and now is always the right time to work on yourself. Um, and you have to take that step and ask for help and ask for support. And that is something that love avoidance do not like to do. As our country continues to grow and make new meaning of the intersection between current and historical events, it is so important to stay connected to the voices and the leaders who are influencing what progress, connection, equality, and truth mean to us as Black people. told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection from some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR wherever you get your podcasts. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. When healing from an intimacy disorder, one of the first things you have to do right after getting clear on your patterns of addictive behaviors, avoiding behaviors, and living in deprivation is clearing out the roots that caused it, clearing out the experiences, the traumas, the narratives that have kept you stuck all of these years. In my signature coaching program, The Recovery School, you have the opportunity to reveal the sources of low self-worth, to learn about how old roles in your family have resulted in codependency, shutting down, and not letting others in and also to learn how to talk to and connect to your inner child in a way that is soothing and healing. This is the next step to reframing the old stories that have plagued you for years to evolve to being a healed and loved woman and having access to the love and the relationships and self-worth that you've always wanted. Learn more and get started by going to therecoveryschool.com. Again, that is therecoveryschool.com. Love avoidance like to get just enough information for them to do it themselves. Love avoidance love to find a good book and a good, like, system... <laughs> for them to say and do it themselves why because as a learning uh, that's a defense mechanism that you learned growing up because depending on other people it has never worked out for you depending on other people either have some take advantage of you you start to trust them but they fall through um, it's easier and better for you to just do it yourself. It's quicker for you to do it yourself. you don't have to worry about anybody messing it up for you if you do it yourself um, and you have learned how to become very efficient. And only depending on and believing in you, and um, you know that again that has worked for most of your life until you get to a place as an adult, which most of you may be at if you're listening to this podcast episode, where you're like, nobody helps me, and no one actually checks in on me, and no one actually cares about my emotions, and I feel like people around me are so selfish, and I give so much to people, and da da da, it's because you are not letting in the people who can actually be there for you my dear um who who could actually be a safe source for you and then also it's hard for you to find those people in the first place because you've not ever felt that before and then again going back to the original point if you even if you have people available there to help you you don't like it you'd rather do it yourself you'd rather figure it out yourself you'd rather do it in your own timing you'd rather do it on your own schedule. because having control, this, this trauma, this aversion from intimacy and stuff is at its core about feeling out of control. You grew up in settings and in situations where you were not in control and now you are addicted to control. Uh, um, or I'm not going to use the word addicted. You really value being able to have control over every aspect of your life. And a lot of times intimacy, connection, closeness is synonymous with out of control danger um vulner- vulnerability and being disappointed and so we got to find the sources of where that came from so that we can separate um this is actual reality and these are actual danger sources and these are things that were dangerous to you in the past but maybe maybe not because they were actually dangerous but because the people who were on the other side of that we're not able to show up in the way that you deserved and that you needed, okay? The second thing that I will work on with my love avoidance, if we were in therapy, if I was acting as your therapist, is learning how to get safe in your body and learning how to slow down. Love avoidance, we are always on the move. We got things to do. We are thinking, we are moving, we are shaking, we got goals. And uh, the women that I work with, usually for the most part, all of these things present as very high functioning and successful. That these are things that life and the world will encourage us to do more of, right? Like, go girl, yes, make that to do list for self care and um, get those degrees and start that business and all that stuff. And even in um, this movement for teaching women how to slow down the amount that we actually need to slow down, we are miles away from it. To truly learn how to get out of these fight, flight, or freeze patterns in our nervous system, whatever you have slowed your body down to do, you need to do that by another 10%, 10%, or you need to multiply that by 10. If we actually took our time and allowed our bodies to recover from the constant going, going, going of stress, of having to move to the next thing, of, of having to look over our back um, to see if there was someone who was coming to hurt us or to disappoint us, to recover from the actual trauma and PTSD of betrayal and people who have not shown up from us for us. Uh, and over having to overcompensate and take care of people that we are in codependent relationships with, whether or not as family, friends, or romantic partners, or even children, to actually stop y'all, you would be like, "Girl, then what am I doing?" It, you would you would feel as if am I am I just dead then if I'm just just sitting here, if I'm just breathing, if I'm just meditating, if I'm not doing anything, and no, you're not dead, but you're actually going to learn how to start to live. And to learn how to not always feel like you have to react, um, but to actually learn how to be present and to learn how to feel your feet on the ground and to learn how to not feel as if you're wasting time to meditate or to do things or to be thinking about what's the next thing that's going on. This is something that whenever I'm out of my meditative practice for a long time, this is what I, even myself, have to learn how to get back to because it is so easy to be distracted and it's so easy to, to not be present, uh, especially when there are so many things to do. And especially if you're neurodivergent, but I think for everyone, if you are used to going and staying on the move because it has helped you stay safe to stay three or three, five, ten steps ahead of everything and to be in the future and planning for what the next thing is, planning for what other people need, planning for what you need. Being here in the moment is difficult. Um it feels if talking about control, it feels more out of control than anything. And it's hard to have trust. It's hard to trust that things will actually work out if you actually slow down and if you stop. And if you stop and that this stopping is not just a temporary thing, you know, I go to a meditation class or I go have go to a wellness resort um, in Mexico, which is what we all did um, on our Black Girls Hill reunion trip. We um, went to a wellness resort for four days and it was so good. I still haven't posted pictures. I need to post pictures. I need to post pictures. Okay. (laughs) Speaking of to do list. Um, but this is not just a momentary thing that this is a lifestyle change that is very hard. And, you know, the excuses that come up with that, as far as like, I work a lot of hours, I travel, I am a parent. Uh, there's so much that I have to do. And I've said this before, this is an area that you have to become aggressive about, And I feel like aggressive is such a juxtaposition against like the ease and like the nature of ease and flow. Like you got to be aggressive about your ease and flow, but you have to. That same determination, that same ain't nobody going to get in my way, that same um, tenacity and intensity that you have for all of your other goals and everything else. You have to be aggressive about doing nothing and doing nothing intentionally, doing nothing and not that doing nothing being numbing out and Netflixing and chilling. Um, but you being grounded in nature, you being grounded in your body, you being grounded in your breath, you being ga- grounded in your self-pleasure, you dancing, you moving your hips, you um practicing self-touch, if that's something that you need to connect with as well. Um all of that stuff, right? That this is so important for you as a love avoidant that is so adverse to human connection, the first relationship that you are averse to connecting to is actually yourself. It's not men. It's not your mama. It's not your daddy. It is you. And the way that you start to heal this is to learn how to get connected to you so that you can feel safe in your body so that you can start to be connected to other people. The third thing that I would work with a client about as a therapist um, who is coming to me for love avoidance is I would work with her to learn how to take control of her negative thoughts. Uh, This is an assignment that I've been giving a lot of my coaching clients recently, and I might actually put it in. I don't know. I'm not going to say what I'm going to put in in case I don't, but um, I might put it in one of my programs as well. But I'm going to tell you all about it here. I've been talking about the concept of a thought boot camp, uh, and it is really practice of listing out all of your negative thoughts and challenging them, and creating alternative thoughts and replacing them with what is the actual truth, and replacing them with the thoughts that you need. And I've shared here on the podcast before that I. Have in the past been really addicted to self-improvement and by way of not just bettering myself, but like really looking for because of the a negative core belief of feeling not enough. I had this never ending list of all the ways that I was not good enough and finding an expert, a coach, a resource, a class, um, a book or something to help me bridge that gap that I felt not enough in. And because I just felt fatally flawed. And even though I was getting all this positive affirmation, I was like, okay, yeah, thanks. But there's still this thing, right? And um, there was one final expert that expert that I was working with and final until I had this revelation. I still, you know, work with people, of course, but my energy around it is very different. But there was one final person that I was working with um, because I was just sure that I had deficiencies in this area And so we got to a place where we were like modeling and practicing what I was coming to her for. And she gave me a raving um, performance review on it. And something hit me and I was like, wait, so there's nothing wrong with me in this area? And she was like, no. And I was like, okay, so maybe maybe my therapist was right. (laughs) Or maybe whoever was right, that I've always been good enough and that I haven't been the one who's been able to see it. And I know that that is something that probably 90% of the people who's listening to this podcast have heard from someone before. You've heard it from a friend. You've heard it from a lover. You've heard it from a family member that's an ally. You've heard it maybe from a stranger on the street or a coworker. You have heard people who have told you that you are amazing and you have not been able to receive it because you don't believe it. Not because it's not true. And so what it came down to is, you know, I was looking for like, okay, where does this start with trauma? And like, what are the core roots of this? And maybe I need to uncover it. And after I'd done all the recovery and after I've done all of the deep dives, and after I'd done all of the journaling, and I was crystal clear on where it came from, and the thoughts were still there, and the feelings were still there, I was like, oh, this is a habit. This is, I've been doing this for decades. I've been thinking this way for decades. I've been coming to a place where things are about to change and get better for me. And my nervous system gets scared, whether or not it's conscious or not. And I sabotage it. And I do something else to get me off path. Oh, this is habit. Okay, so there's no other deeper place for me to go. This is really just about me learning how to boss up, be disciplined, and change these habits. And for my love avoidance, after we do all this stuff, we got to, it's about challenging these thoughts. I have a private coaching client right now that that's literally what we're doing. Like it's literally, once you get into this place of spiraling and um, sabotaging yourself and looking for these negative core uh, beliefs to validate this fear that you have and showing up. It is time for you to do something different. And so I could go to the place where I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about the first time that you had this thought and, um, you know, the time that your father or your mother made you feel that way. But at this point, that ain't ain't what we need. We need to actually do something different. We need to break the pattern. We need to break the cycle. We need to move forward and we need to not avoid it um, for fear of failure or fear of success. Which is also, by the way, something else that happens when a lot of my avoidant clients come into working with me, even if they start off as very um, motivated and dedicated to this process and they're tired of being tired and they're tired of moving forward. A lot of them will do sabotage techniques as far as distancing themselves from the curriculum and then Uh, or distancing themselves from the resources that shared or our time together. And then when they start to feel the impact of that, instead of moving forward and asking for help, they repeat this negative script pattern in their head that um, either projects that I'm going to reject them or that I'm disappointed in them, but it's more because they're disappointed in themselves or um, this belief that they have to do it all on their own. And so they feel ashamed that they are stuck in and or that they're procrastinating or that they have these negative roadblocks and that they are not smart enough, willful enough, emotionally healed enough for them to just pull themselves out of this deep dark place on their own. But y'all, that's why we need people. We we are humans and as humans, we are relational. We are not meant to do life alone. And there's no amount of you prepping yourself to do it alone. There's no amount of education, there's no amount of willpower that's going to make you as a human being Okay with doing life alone. There's no there's no way that you're gonna be able to insulate yourself enough and equip yourself enough to where you you will not ever have any gap areas that that connection, community, love, support, validation, um, affirmation, care, um, tenderness, being comforted is not gonna heal something in you more than you can do for yourself, and that is a big thing to say, especially. Um, when I constantly talk about our relationship with ourselves as the most important, along with us learning how to affirm ourselves and love ourselves. And that is true. Two things are true. We need all of that. And we also need to be in healthy relationship and tribehood with others, um, and community and connection. And whether or not that tribehood and others is one or two people, or you're one of those people who has a deep interconnected friend group, um, and family group that is huge and very extended. It doesn't matter. But having that tribe, having that community is what's very important for all of us. But yes, I will work on all the negative thoughts that is keeping you from moving closer to people, that's keeping you ashamed, that's keeping you from making you feel like you have to do things on your own. Um, And also all those negative core beliefs that we adopt as love avoidance, even if we present as very capable and together on the outside. And then the fourth thing that I will work on as a therapist for those who are love avoidance is learning how to build more intimacy patterns to move towards people versus away. So building more intimacy patterns to move towards people versus away. So healing yourself is great. Uncovering all this amazing stuff or maybe not so amazing stuff is great and replacing the patterns. Um, learning how to get safe in your body, learning how to take control of your thoughts and your emotions. All that is great. But y'all, what is this for? If we are moving from love avoidance, we are moving towards being love available. So um, learning how to move closer to people and not away, learning how to build more consistent connection patterns with people and for that to be your new normal versus not, Um, and for it to not be a fluke. And so um, that is this next step of the process. So if someone comes to me and they tell me whether or not it was therapy or coaching um, coaching currently, and they're telling me that it's hard for them to let people in, I'm for sure not going to start with them moving towards other people immediately because they're going to get scared. No matter how healthy and amazing the person is, whether or not it's Mother Teresa or whoever their relational idol is, they are going to get spooked. They're going to get triggered. That person is going to say something that that person doesn't understand as a trigger for my client. And my client, instead of them talking to the person about it, they're going to ruminate about it in their mind, make up a story about what their intentions were and what they, what they believe about it, say that they know that it is true because their in- intuition, discernment is always on point. And they are not going to want to move towards this healthy and available other because their trauma has been spiked. It's been, um, again, triggered. And this person is no longer a safe space, but it's because all this other underlying work was not hit on. Um, But even when you have that awareness, you still don't know how to move towards people. You still don't know how to do it consistently and let them in. And a lot of times you still don't know how to choose people who are safe, right? So you may be practicing with people that it's time for them to be rotated out, demoted, or put in a different category, right? And so this is our next step, learning how to practice that, seeing what's coming up for you because the triggers that you have in your own internal work is one set of triggers. Once you get into relationship, y'all, if you listen to this podcast any amount of time, I have said over and over and over again, I thought working through my love addiction and going through withdrawal and letting go of these trauma-bonded relationships was a certain type of pain and it was. But when you're a love avoidant, And you actually got to open up to people and spend time with them and share things with them and be available towards them and listen to their stories when you got other things you got to do. Lord, that's a different type of pain, right? And so I say that, you know, kind of tongue in cheek, and I'm kind of like poking, you know, trying to kind of make light of it. But all that irritation that 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 sounds like is actually because you have not been in intimate relationships where those types of things are pleasurable so let me say those same things again with a different energy um when you're love available you get to talk with people about what's going on you get to you get to share life with them you get to listen to their stories and they get to listen to your stories. you get to open up to them when you get to be vulnerable and you get to share and you get to spend time with them. Even when you have other things to do, like you still get to be with them, right? Like same, almost same words, but the energy is different, right? And so is, is you shifting into those things being pleasurable for you and learning how they can be pleasurable for you. But the triggers that come up for you on your way to that when you're actually interacting with people because all relationships are a mirror, that's its own set of work that we have to work through together, okay? Or that you get to work through um, with whoever you're working with. And of course, I am available for those who would like to do that work together. So that is it, y'all. I hope that this helped. I hope that if you are in therapy right now, that, and these are the things that you're working on, that you were able to take some notes for you to talk about it with your therapist, um, him or her or them, and share where you think you are and ask them for their opinion on where they think you are with those tasks. Um, ask them depending on what therapy model or what the, their their theory is for how they uh, approach clinical work ask them if they have any other tasks for you that they have have on the docket you know every if you're working with a therapist every therapist should have a treatment plan So asking what your treatment goals are together should not be obscure or a random question for them. You you shouldn't just be going to therapy just for vibes. (laughs) And if you have a therapist that's just a vibe therapist, I think you can tell. I think you can tell that you kind of feel a little bit disjointed, but there is actual methods. There's methods, there's techniques, there's strategy to clinical work, which is why it's so amazing. And um, I hope that this helps you get closer to those targets and those goals that you have with your with your person. For those of y'all who are wanting a supplement to that, if you do have a person that you love and what I've shared here is like what you feel like you've been needing, um, I would love to work with you in my recovery school program. This is where I have packaged all the things that I've talked about here into a coaching format that you can take with you everywhere you go. We have a monthly group call that will talk about that we talk about all these things that we talked about today and that I help you uncover these things and move forward. It is totally open to you to share what you wanna share or not wanna share. I do not force any of my clients or students to share anything that they do not feel comfortable with. It is all um, by your own desire uh, because I want this to feel like a safe space for you to use as is needed. But with that said, it is all based on you showing up and showing up for yourself. To learn more about The Recovery School, you can go to therecoveryschool.com and you can join immediately at the time that I'm recording this. And or if you are wanting to work with me privately one-on-one, you can look into coaching options that may be available at blackgirlsheel.org slash coaching and sign up for a session there. I bring everything that I know and everything that I've learned and everything that I know works for women in regards to love addiction, trauma recovery, love avoidance, love deprivation, self-love, family relationships, all that into all of my things, whether or not it's private coaching or whether or not it's the recovery school coaching program, which is lifetime access. So and women who do not currently have a therapist or who have a therapist have done this program and- had complete transformation. So you do not feel like you need to come and have some type of experience for you to get what you're needing in this program, which is why I love it so much. So again, therecoveryschool.com or um, private coaching at blackgirlsheal.org slash coaching, and you get to pick what works best for you. So that is it for now. Thank you so much for joining me here today. And I look forward to seeing you at our next episode. Take care of yourselves. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the Filet-O-Fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time.